Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention, which is underway in Kansas City, Missouri. And actually sitting next to me to do the Final Bell today happens to be Arlen Suderman. We're going to look at a variety of factors in this market today, including the breakout that happened in the soybeans. Um, what or if was the wheat any different in the trade that we saw today? And the corn, were they following on the coattails of what we saw in that soybean contract? Interesting conversation, too, when it comes to soybean demand and hogs as we look to China. We'll look to our neighbors to the south and how their crops are going on. And, of course, the cattle market, as we saw, lost a little bit of energy today. So let's start out, Arlen. Uh, Arlen Suderman, as I mentioned, joining us with Stonex. Let's talk about this breakout we saw in the soybeans. Yeah, it, it was one of those things where it had some fundamental support behind it, and then it became a money flow factor. Uh, all of these ag markets, we've seen some underlying support in them uh, because of the inflation play. Ever since a consumer price index came out showing the highest inflation in 31 years last week, when those numbers came out, the same minute we saw an increase in money flow into the ag commodities. So you say, okay, but wheat was so much lower, and, and there's reason for that. It doesn't mean that everything goes up, but everything... The market does manage supply and demand at an elevated level overall. So you asked about soybeans. We've been seeing a, a real resurgence in soy meal demand here of late because there's a shortage of lysine in North America right now. And if you're feeding distillers grains, you may need that lysine to balance the amino acids in the ration. And if a lysine is missing, then that's shifting some of that demand back to soy meal. And so we're having a resurgence in soy meal demand. China has been coming back in to buy more soybeans. Those factors have helped elevate prices. They've gone back up to the top of that trading range. That trading range has been in a descending channel, trending lower for the last like five months. Well, today we broke out the top of that, and there were buy stop orders above that. The computers jumped in, traded that momentum to the upside with the the money that's behind them, the speculative money. The momentum just kind of amplified to the upside, and we were off to the races there for a while. So what's going on with, with the corn? Are they kind of just following what's happening in the soybeans at this point? Yeah, that's a great question because it's very different fundamentals. But the key for the corn market is right now its primary focus is the 2022 crop. And with high input costs, it has to be able to protect the acreage that it has, maintain a price that's going to protect that acreage. So if soybean prices are taking off, then corn prices have to respond in order to protect their acreage. You're watching that soybean-corn price ratio, trying to maintain it at a level that will protect corn acreage. So when soybeans took off the day, corn needed to as well. Does corn have some good fundamentals? Yes. But we're looking at a 10% stocks use ratio for this current year. We're not going to run out of corn before harvest. There's no need to ration demand with higher prices, but we do need to protect the acreage for next year, and that's why corn had to respond to the strength in soybeans. Are we going to keep that momentum going? I mean, I, we always know there's the corn versus bean acreage war, but is that something that's really going to be heavier this year? Yeah, I, I really question whether we see enough fundamental strength from the soy meal demand issue, etc., uh, to sustain a rally 
in soybeans. You know, the market right now is saying, okay, we broke the downtrend, so you have two options then. You can do an uptrend, a sustained rally over a period of time, or you can um, kind of define a broad sideways trading range. Right now, that would be my bias as we're looking at a broad sideways trading range. If soybeans are able to sustain a rally, then corn will need to respond. But if soybeans do not, then I think that probably keeps corn in a broader sideways trading range as well until we get closer to the spring and have a better feel for how these high input costs are going to impact the crop mix for this coming year. But what about the wheat? Are they kind of being a follower or are they just doing their own thing when it comes to marketing? Yeah, when you have cup two of the three legs of the stool strongly higher, it is going to have some influence on wheat. But there's some other dynamics there as well. Minneapolis has really been the leader with the tight spring wheat supplies this year. And we saw prices go well over $10. We really shut off. It rationed demand at that level. And demand for spring wheat we really shut down. So then the job of the marketplace was to find a price where it could regenerate that demand once again. And on Tuesday, we saw that happen. The market had fallen sharply for a couple of days in particular found a level where we started finding end user buying come back in again, finished well off the low, and so therefore the funds are willing to come back in and buy, end users are buying. So it was a combination effect of speculative money and end users buying the break, kind of establishing the bottom side of that trading range for now. Well, look at the South America, the pictures that I continue seeing across social media. This bean crop looks amazing. Yeah, it really does. I've heard of some problems of pot abortion in, in Meta Grasso, but as I've checked out with my sources down there, it doesn't look like it's anything widespread. Overall, the crop in, in Brazil is looking real good. There's isolated spots with problems. It's a big country. Uh, and when you look at our in, in Brazil, think of it as being kind of... Uh, mid to late July right now. They're going to be starting to harvest here in another five to six weeks. Argentina is kind of like the equivalent of our early May. They're about 10 to 20 percent of the crop is planted. It's very early. They're getting some timely rains. There's some concerns with La Nina uh, about what's going to happen in December and January in Argentina and southern Brazil as well. But for now, they're getting the rains. It's really hard to talk a crop problem in South America right now. So that thought of December harvest is still looming, isn't it? Yeah, it is for Brazil soybeans. Now, it's kind of like starting to harvest uh, early soybeans in the delta of the United States, maybe in late August. You know, it's not a big volume, but it is to start. Those immediately go to the port, get loaded on a ship for China. 45 days later, they're in China. That's why we have a very narrow window, and we need to sell as many soybeans as we can to China. Good things to think about. We'll talk more about that when we come back from the break. We'll take a look at what's been going on with China. The soybean demand, the hog demand there, and talk of the buying of grain sorghum. More is coming up as we continue from the NAFB annual convention, which is taking place in Kansas City, Missouri. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Time for another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. Let's visit with Chris Ross. He's a Fontenelle dealer near Plattsmouth, Nebraska. And Chris, you've been in the seed business for over 40 years. What do you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle Hybrids? A lot of the guys that I work with, I have sold seed to their fathers and their grandfathers, so it goes back many years. I think when a grower calls me and says that 
he's getting the best yields that he's ever gotten on a farm. Uh, it really is a very rewarding experience. It makes you feel really good about yourself and about the product. Chris, what makes Fontenelle stand out among the seed landscape out there? Fontenelle has always treated their people with the greatest respect, in my opinion. So it, they're kind of unique in that way. And then when you put that together with the excellent product line that, that they have, uh, it really is a pretty unbeatable match. Well, for more on being part of the Fontenelle family, you can contact Chris Ross in the Plattsmouth area or your local Fontenelle dealer. With this Fontenelle feature, I'm Joe Gank. to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast from the NAFB convention in Kansas City, Missouri. And Arlen Suderman continues to talk with us. He's with Stonex. So we left off, you were kind of talking a little bit about China and what's going on there. And demand, we know they need the product. Uh, can the U.S. meet that demand in that short little window? And and what are you hearing from, from the folks over there in China? Yeah, I had a conference call last night with some of my industry contacts in China. And I feel a little bit better about things overall. They are seeing their hog feeding margins improve now. Part of that is because we have increased demand ahead of what they call their spring festival, or we know as their Lunar New Year holiday. That comes a little earlier this year it's, than it did last year. It's going to start uh, at the end of January. So the retailers are now starting to try to stock up with the supplies of pork that they need and stuff. So that's helping prices. Overall, it, does, it doesn't look like we're going to see really good feeding margins over the next six to nine months but adequate to kind of maintain production. So we've seen crush increase to about 2.1 million metric tons per per week. Uh, that's getting up to a healthier level. So I feel a little bit better about China's total import number for soybeans. I'm still concerned about how big of a piece of that pie U.S. soybeans are going to be able to get. That's because... China knows that Brazil is going to be harvesting its crop early this year, and it's going to be a good crop. They like new crop soybeans, and uh, so they're going to be able to start loading them, loading those boats in January. And uh, so we have a very narrow window to get that. And if if they see that cheaper soybeans are going to be coming soon because of the currency exchange rates that Brazil has that advantage, they'll kind of try to stretch out the supplies that they have and maybe reduce what they buy from the United States. So that continues to be a concern. They are buying grain sorghum. Um, three out of the last four weekly USDA export sales reports have had grain sorghum sales to China above 10 million bushels. That's really good per week. Um, that's a good number. Now we need to sustain that. Um, this year's sor sorghum crop is going to be about 100 million bushels larger than last year. So we, we need a lot of good export demand. Right now that's looking good, especially for feeding in the southern part of China. Freight rates are high, so it's costing a lot to transfer from this corn from the north to the south. So for now it looks good for the grain sorghum side. Corn. Cheaper corn comes from Ukraine right now. Um, they were asking me about rumors of, of Kafka buying U.S. corn. We're really not seeing that. They're inquiring about price. We haven't seen the evidence really buying. We're expecting them to probably be more active in the U.S. corn market once they've bought up the cheaper supplies from Ukraine. So we're probably talking several months down the road. How's their hogs looking? We haven't heard much about the crop there. Yeah, as we look at the hog 
you know, right now the pigs uh, are kind of coming up in value a little bit. They're getting some feeding margin. And they were trying to describe it to me. I said, so what it sounds like right now is you've gone from an over-surplus situation with hogs to maybe where supply and demand are kind of in balance, maintaining some small feeding margins. And they go, yeah, that's, that's exactly what we've got right now. Momentum of cattle. I mean, we still got guys passing on bids in the country, but they kind of lost a little bit of steam today. Yeah, they really did. And we saw some good strength in the cash market last week, up 2 to $4, um, particularly in the southern plains where packer constraints had been the biggest issue. That improved. But now we're getting into packers buying for our holiday short and slaughter week next week. And then we come back the week after Thanksgiving, we start getting into formula cattle for December. So we don't have quite the leverage over the next couple of weeks for the feeder that we've been having. And so we may take a couple of weeks to reestablish that strength in the cash market. Uh, as you look at the online exchange, a little bit weaker today as well, kind of reflecting that weaker cash sentiment. We go into these holidays, obviously once we get past Thanksgiving, it's a downhill slide to 2022, but consumer demand and sticker shock that continues to happen at the meat counters. Yeah, consumer demand is good, and it's basically because the, the consumer is still cash rich. If we look at currency that is currently circulating in the economy right now, it's around $2.2 trillion. That's $400 billion plus above where it was when the pandemic started. And so we haven't withdrawn that. The Fed has started to taper or slow the growth in money supply, but it hasn't started to shrink the money supply yet. And so inflation may start eating into that, but so far we're not seeing that consumer pullback, and it looks like more interest in some of the higher cuts particularly of beef as we go into the holiday season that's got to be real encouraging to the cattle industry and that chinese demand for beef is really strong as well and that was something else that's coming out of our contacts with china is they like our grain-fed beef here from the united states growing in popularity and china's rapidly become one of our primary export targets now for beef all right arlen best way for folks to get a hold of you Stonex.com or follow me on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. Arlen Suderman joining us from the NAFB convention taking place in Kansas City, Missouri. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable to all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.